Well, hey, Cornerstone, it's so good to be with you today. My name is Pastor John Kelly from a Chicago West Bible Church on the west side of Chicago where I get to serve as the lead pastor. So good to be here in San Fran with my Cornerstone family. Thank you to PT and to the leadership and to everyone here for allowing me to feel um, at home and to feel welcomed. And it's been good being here um, in this great city, um, enjoying some food and seeing what God is doing here. And so thankful that you all are here um, on mission for Christ and uh, serving this community. I'm excited to join in with you on this series on surrender. And I hear that you've been working through um, the Word of God and learning about this topic. And uh, I want to continue to help you uh, process through what the Lord teaches and how we can grow and live in a life of surrender. So I just want you to know I've been praying for you leading up to our time here. Um, my prayer is that you would live a life that is marked by humility and surrender um, to Christ and that your life would be consumed um, with Jesus. But what does it mean and what does it look like to live a life that is surrendered to Christ, that is fully given over to him? Well, I hope to talk with you about that today as we um, turn our attention to God's word. And so the title of today's message is simply that, the surrendered life. The surrendered life will be in the book of Romans chapter 12, um, beginning in verse 1. Um, but before we look at this topic of the surrendered life, can I just pray for you? I would love to just pray for you right now. So wherever you are, um, whether you're listening on your iPhone or, or listening in some earbuds while you're going for a jog, whether you're um, sitting at home listening, um, joining in on the service, wherever you are, I just want to pray for you right now. So if you just bow your heads and let me pray for you, that would be great. Let me pray. Lord, just thank you for my brothers and sisters here who are joining us online and are listening in right now. Lord, we are turning our attention to your word. Uh, we don't need to hear from Pastor John or someone else. We need to hear from you. And so, Lord, as we open your word, I pray that we would hear your voice speaking to us, calling us um, to a life of full surrender to you. And so, God, I just pray you would bless this time that we are meeting together and studying your word. And I pray that it would bear much fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I'm reading from the ESV. If you could turn with me to Romans chapter 12. The book of Romans beginning in chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is a fascinating book. The book of Romans period is a fascinating book, but the book of Romans chapter 12 is a great chapter, and it begins um, with verse 1 that has a lot to talk about, um, a lot to say about the topic of uh, surrender and consecration and fully giving yourself over to the Lord. So we're only going to spend um, the next 25, 30 minutes, we're going to spend it on one verse, and that's Romans 12.1. And I challenge you to not just read this verse with me and ponder it today, but to meditate on it, to memorize it, to, uh, to uh, read it out loud to yourself when you're going, through about, your, going about your day. Um, it would encourage you deeply. Um, but look with me in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says this. This is, the, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Rome. He says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so Paul is speaking here. There's three observations I want to make or want to look at on, based upon this passage right here. Um, three things that we can learn about the surrendered life and what does the surrendered life look like? Well, here's the first point if you're taking points about the surrendered life. The first point here, the surrendered life is a life that is offered to Jesus. 
Let me say that again. A surrendered life is a life that is offered to Jesus. Where do we get that from? Look with me in verse 1 of chapter 12 of the book of Romans. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, I'm appealing to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so he opens up here with says, I appeal. Some of your translations might say, I urge you. So imagine someone saying, I'm urging you to do this. I'm appealing to you. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you to do this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, in light of all of the mercy that God has shown us, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. And so what do I want you to do? Offer your body to God. Not just your money, not just your pocketbook, not just um, five minutes of your morning. Offer yourself over to God. And why should I do that? Because of his mercies. See it? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, present your body as a living sacrifice. What good is it to talk about God's mercy and the truth that God is merciful if that truth isn't changing us? Paul believes in the reality that God is merciful and that the fact that we've received his mercy, that that should change us. And so he's pleading and saying, you know what it's like as a sinner to experience the grace of God, the mercy of God, and that should, that should change the way you live. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, this, says it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Even Peter acknowledges we serve a God who is merciful, that God is a God of mercy and grace. But here's the thing, church. It is very easy to take that grace, to take that mercy for granted. It's very easy to forget the mercy that's been shown to us. So that's why Paul says here, by the mercies of God, the fact that God has been merciful to you, here's what you should do out of, out of the context of receiving God's mercy. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Offer it to God. I love this, that, that the surrendered life is a life that is offered to God completely to him. Offer all of yourself. Notice what Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice. If you remember in the Old Testament, they would often offer lambs and goats, um, different animals um, for sacrifice um, for their sins. Now, we know that those animals could never take away um, sins, but they were symbolic of the same way that um, uh, this lamb is slain uh, for sins, that there's accountability for me and that we are accountable to God. And so he's saying we don't want to offer uh, uh, animals as sacrifice. We want to offer our bodies. We want to offer ourselves. God, I am giving myself completely to you. And so Paul is referring to here the physical body, all that you are, offer your body, all of who I am. So here's the question that you need to think about today, that I need to think about today. What does it look like for me to offer all of my physical body, all of who I am to God. Meaning, what does it look like that my brain, my hands, my mind, my feet, my plans, my desires, my will, my life, all of that belongs to God? That's the question that Paul is pressing us with. Offer everything to the Lord. Not just your Sunday mornings, but your job, 
Your body isn't yours. I belong to Jesus. My mind isn't mine. I belong to Jesus. My hands, my feet isn't mine. They belong to the Lord and are used for his glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says this, For you were bought with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. He said it again, 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, For you were bought with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. The God paid for you, your salvation. He paid for your eternal security with the, the, his own blood, the blood of Jesus on the cross. The, the, the Lord actually purchased you. You belong to him. And so if there's anything you could think about this first point here of Paul saying offer or present your body as a living sacrifice is this truth today. You belong to Jesus. And the surrendered life is a life that is offered on the altar to God every day. And in this world, you will either live for yourself or you will live for God. And the question you have to answer today is, who have I been living for? Have I been living for myself? Is it all about me? Or is it truly about him? Is it truly about Christ? Am I in love with a religion or am I in love with a person, Jesus, my Savior? You know, if you ever um, have driven before, you've ever been to um, a car wash, um, you have a car, you, you, you've taken your car to a car wash before. And, and, and if you, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but if you ever went to a car wash, um, the, you can't get your car wash without surrender, period. Um, when you pull up to a car wash, the very first thing that you have to do is there's some tracks on the ground and whoever's working at the car wash will, the first thing they will tell you is, hey, you need to cut your wheel and align your tires with the track, right? So you got you to gotta drive on to the track. So, so align with the track. But do you know what the second thing is that they tell you to do? Once you align with the track, what's the second thing you have to do next? For anyone who's washed a car before, taking gone to the car wash, you have to put the car in neutral. Right? So it's like, okay, now that you're aligned, put the car in neutral, meaning the car has to release control in order so that the mechanism, the car washing mechanism, can now uh, take the car through and wash it and do everything that needs to be done to it. So it is with the Christian faith. The Christian faith, the, the life of Christ, is a calling to surrender. The same way a car has to pull up and align its tires with the track. So when Paul says here that he says to um, uh, offer our bodies, we're, we're aligning our ways. We're aligning our life with God. And then when the car puts itself in neutral, so we are saying, Lord, I surrender. I submit. You now control. I'm aligning with your word. I'm aligning with your ways. I'm aligning um, with your mission, with the ways of your kingdom. And Lord, I am putting things in neutral and allowing your spirit to control me. That is the surrendered life. It's a life of aligning with the Lord, aligning with his word, aligning with his ways, and allowing yourself to be in neutral so that he can clean you, wash you, use you, work through you, and so that you can truly live for him. Because in the Christian life, nothing works without Jesus. You can't do this yourself. You can't live this life on your own. And maybe that's you listening to this morning, you're saying, 
you know what? I've been spending a lot of time trying to figure out this thing on my own. I've been trying to live and um, by myself and work this out in of myself. No, I would appeal to you, as Paul says, to offer your body as a living sacrifice to Christ and let him lead you. Let him plan things. Put it in neutral, my brother. Put it in neutral, my sister. And let the Lord do the rest. In fact, in John 15, 5, Jesus says it this way. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him. He it is that bears much fruit. Listen to this. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You hear that? John 15, 5. Apart from me, you could do nothing. That's what Jesus says. And we hear that. And we say, yeah, I hear you, Lord. But really, I can still. No, Jesus says, apart from me, all the spiritual fruit, all the things you want to see will not happen outside of your submission to me. So the question we have to ask ourselves every day is, Lord, here I am at your service, Lord. What do you want me to do today? Make this a habit in your life. Not, Lord, here's what I want you to bless, but Lord, here I am available. What do you want to do, Lord? So the surrendered life is a life that is offered to Jesus. But next, jot this down, the surrendered life is a life that is holy and acceptable to Jesus. Holy and acceptable. So notice here that Paul opens up by saying, I appeal to you, I'm begging you, I'm urging you, based upon God's mercy and how much grace and love he has shown you, offer your body as a living sacrifice to him. And notice what he says next. Holy and acceptable to God. So that not only we are to offer our bodies completely to him, Lord, I belong to you but that a pursuit of holiness is right and good. The word holy in scripture tends to have two kind of categories. One, it means distinct and set apart, unlike anything else. The second definition means purity. So when we say God is holy, it means he's not like anybody else. He's not like your dad, he's not like your brother, he's not like your boss, he's not like your neighbor, he's not like your cousin that gets on your nerves, he's not like any of that. When the fact that God is holy means he's distinct. He's a one of one. There's nothing or no one like him. So he's holy. He's different from everything else. But two, that he's pure. He's righteous. He's clean. Right? And so when Paul says that we are to offer our body as a living sacrifice, it means those two things, that we are like God. We are separated. We are distinct. That, that you can look at someone who's a Christ follower and say, I can tell that she's been with Jesus. But also that just like God, they love what's pure. They love what's right. Leviticus 11:44 says this, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves. That means set yourself apart, therefore, and be holy as I am holy, God says to his people. Leviticus 20, 26 says, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. Leviticus 10, 10 says, You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the clean and the unclean. You see, a surrendered life is a holy life. It is a life that is distinct, set apart from everything else, set apart for God's use, set apart to God's ways, but also a life that desires purity. You know, my mother, um, my mother back in the day, she used to work um, as a surgical technician. She, did, she was a surgical tech. And if you know what a surgical technician is, basically, surge techs, they, they work with doctors during surgeries. And so the, the, the role my mom had as a surgical technician was 
she had to make sure that all of the instruments to perform the surgery were clean and sterilized for the doctor. So as the, uh, he or she came in to perform a ster uh, surgery, all of this, uh, the, the, the equipment, this, the scalpel, and all the uh, sharp knives and everything had to be sterilized, and they couldn't be touched. They were set apart for the doctor's use. And during surgery, she assisted with that. And before all procedures, before any surgery and after every surgery, all the instruments that would be used had to be sterilized. They must be pure. If not, they can cause an infection or death or whatever it meant, whatever can, you know, may be that's not helpful. Uh, what am I saying? You have been set apart for God, my brother. You have been set apart for the Lord, my sister, for the master's use. You are a tool in his hand. And before he uses you, he must put you through a sterilization process. He must cleanse you. So we ought to be holy. We offer our body as a living sacrifice. And God cleans us up the same way that you don't use um, dishes or forks or spoons that are dirty in the sink. You wash them first before you use them. So God cleanses us before he uses us. And he cleanses us as he uses us. Some of you right now are going through a lot. You're going through some challenging season. And the thing that the Lord is doing right now is he's trying to clean you. He's trying to cleanse you. He's trying to make you holy. He's trying to make you pure. He's showing you certain things in your flesh, certain thought patterns you have that are unhealthy, certain toxic things that have shown up in your life. And he's not there to tear you down or beat you up. He's there to cleanse you and make you pure. God never uh, brings things up to hurt you, but to heal you. And so I don't know who needs to hear that today, but someone's going through some healing right now. The Lord is using his word. He's using his people. And it's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. There's things in our flesh that we've been battling with for a long time. Some of you, you've been struggling with things for decades and you're like, Lord, I, I'm tired of repenting of this. I'm tired of struggling with this sin or why are you allowing this thing to come up? And the Lord is showing you something so he can heal you. He wants to purify you. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says this, Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. A question for you today is this. I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Is there anything in my life that is defiling me, either in body or spirit, is there anything that I'm dabbling with that is unclean and hinders my fellowship with the Spirit? Is there things I'm watching that I shouldn't be? Am I drinking too much? Am I doing this over here? Is there something that I'm hiding, something that's luring me away, that's hindering my time in the Word, hindering my time with pursuing Jesus? Is there something in my life that is unhealthy, that's keeping me from surrendering to Him? Maybe you need to do an inventory in both body and spirit. My body, am I, am I taking care of my body? Am I resting? Am I, how's my mental health doing? COVID has taken a toll on a lot of people. How is my mental health doing? Am I stewarding my body well? Am I getting rest? Do I feel burnt out? How is that impacting my walk with Christ? Or spiritually, am I skipping spiritual meals? Have I not been in the word lately? Have I not been in prayer is there any idols in my life, things I've been putting before God? He says that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. 
I love that he added not just holy, but acceptable. Acceptable means that there's a right way of doing something. It means this is what God accepts. It's knowing the right thing and doing something. And I just want to say here, when Paul is talking about holiness and purity and what, what's acceptable to God here, he is not saying that you have to earn God's love. So I don't want you to hear this in here. Rules, restrictions, regulations. Okay, here's another to-do list thing. that I, Another thing on my to-do list I got to do. You don't have to earn God's love, my sister. You don't have to earn his love, my brother. The scripture says, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. Not life, not death, not sickness, not persecution, right? So you are deeply loved more than you can ever be. So why the emphasis on holiness and, and what God accepts? You are accepted because of the cross. But what Paul is getting after here and what he's saying here is, we, we pursue holiness and we pursue God not because we want to get accepted and loved by him, but because we have been accepted and loved by him. Does that make sense? So I'm pursuing Jesus not, be, not to earn his love. I'm pursuing Jesus because he loves me. I'm pursuing holiness not to be right with God, but I'm pursuing holiness because I am right with God. I am pursuing holiness and purity not to be loved by God, but because I am loved by God. And there's a right way to pursue the Lord. Ephesians 1, 4, I mean, 4, chapter 4, verse 1 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. 1 Thessalonians 2, 12, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You see it there? Paul uses the phrase over and over, walk in a manner worthy. It's the idea that, that you have been saved, you have been redeemed, you are deeply loved by the Lord. So walk as someone who's loved by the Lord. Walk as someone who God has redeemed. That's what he's saying here. It's not to earn it, but walk in the identity of who you already are. Live that out. It's unacceptable to God that he loves you so deeply, that you have been forgiven, that he's given you a new identity, and that you don't walk in any of it. That's not acceptable, my sister. Walk in who you are. Don't let the devil lie to you, my brother. Don't let the enemy beat you down. You are not your sins. You are not your past. You are a new creation in Christ. And he wants you to walk in that. The surrendered life walks in the identity of who I am in Christ. And it means now I love purity. I love holiness. I love what's right. Matthew 5 says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I want to see the Lord. I can't hug sin and hug Jesus at the same time. I can't coddle the sin that's in my heart, the, the sin that's trying to tear me down and, and pursue the Lord at the same time. I have to let one go in order to pursue the other. So he were called to offer our body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. The surrendered life is a holy life that walks in a manner worthy of God's calling and a manner that reflects the fruit of salvation that can only be found in Christ alone. And so you have been called to a life of surrender in Christ, a life that is daily offered to Jesus, a life that is holy and acceptable to him. And lastly, jot this down, last point, last observation, the surrendered life is a lifestyle of worship to Jesus. 
Let me say that again. The surrendered life is a lifestyle of worship to Jesus. So notice here, right? It says, we, we urge you, right, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And we'll listen to this last point, which is your spiritual worship? Some of your translations say, which is your, which is the act, your spiritual act of worship. Paul basically says, there's more to worship than singing. What comes to mind when you hear the word worship? Do you think of Sunday morning, hands raised, singing glory, hallelujah, or singing to a worship song? Paul stretches that and says worship is bigger than just singing. It's also how you live. He says offering your body, Paul says, presenting your body as a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable, that's an act of worship. You want to know it's an act of worship? Not just you singing on Sunday morning, but you actually laying your life down and completely abandoning yourself to God and saying, Lord, everything about me belongs to you. Paul says that's worship. A surrendered life is a life of worship, truly given over to the Lord. And what is worship? Worship is essentially showing and declaring the supreme worth or value of something. When you worship something or you worship someone, you show by the way you live and tell how valuable it is. So if you worship food, you show it by always eating and you tell it because you probably tell everybody under the sun the best restaurant to go to. We don't worship food. We don't worship money. We don't worship sex. We don't worship people. We don't worship a job. We don't worship ourselves. We worship Jesus. And when you worship Jesus, you show it in the way you live and you tell it to everyone. The same, you know, the things you love, you have no problem telling people about. You don't have no problem telling people about your favorite sports team, whether it's the Warriors, the 49ers, I know we over in San Fran, your favorite restaurants, your favorite podcasts, your favorite books, the favorite uh, uh, meals you like off of Pinterest, your favorite movie that just came out, y'all need to go watch so-and-so. We love to tell people about things we love. But do we show people Christ and tell people about Christ? Paul says the way you do that is by offering your body to God. And this is an act of worship. You know, the disciples, the men and women who followed Jesus and worshiped him, they showed his worth by telling it to people, but they also showed how much they worshiped and loved Jesus by how much they were willing to let go of for his sake how much they were willing to, to lay down and sacrifice for their sake. You know, you can tell how much a person loves something by how much they're willing to sacrifice for it. You can tell how much someone loves their family by how much they're willing to sacrifice for their family. You can tell how much someone loves uh, their job by how much they're willing to sacrifice for their job. You can tell how much someone loves Jesus. Not by... Um, you know, how excited they are simply about it, but how much they're willing to sacrifice for it. And when Paul says, sacrifice your body, offer your body, your life to the Lord, lay it down and say, Lord, everything I have belongs to you. That's a person who's on fire for the Lord. That's a person who's fully worshiping Jesus. First Corinthians 10 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So that means anything I do, God desires to get glory from it. If I do anything, God wants it to be clear that it was done for him. 
That's what it means to live a life of surrender and worship. When he says this is your spiritual worship, this is your act of worship, this is how you connect laying down your life and you giving your life to truly belong to God as an act of worship because it means everything about you points back to God. Everything about you points back to Jesus. So the question we have again is, is it clear to everybody, my mom, my dad, if they're around, my brothers, my coworkers, my neighbors, is it clear to everyone that my life is led by Jesus and lived for Jesus? In what ways do I show to everyone that Jesus is more precious to me than anything else in this world? How does my marriage show that Jesus is more precious to me than my marriage? How when I'm living as a single, how does, it, how does me living as single, how does this season, does, it, does my life right now show that Jesus is more valuable to me than any other person I could ever meet? Because anything outside of that is idolatry. Is my, when I'm at work, even though I work hard, does my mentality show that my identity and my value isn't find in, found in what I do at my job, but who I belong to? That is Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you simply, my brother or my sister, to have a time of devotions. He wants you to have a lifestyle of devotion. He doesn't want you to simply have 20 minutes before you head out in the morning of reading the word and prayer and devotions. He wants, he wants a lifestyle of devotion. That's what we're going for. Not simply a surrendered time, but a surrendered life. That my whole life, Lord, is lived for you. The surrendered life is a lifestyle of worship to Jesus. So as we close, I want to close by just praying for you. Praying that you were encouraged by what you heard as we looked on the surrendered life, that it is a life offered to Jesus, it is a life that is holy and acceptable to Jesus, and it is a lifestyle of worship to Jesus. My prayer for you is that this would be your life, that it would be clear and evident to all that your life is offered to him, that you love purity, you pursue what is right and acceptable, and when you fall short, you humbly repent and turn back to him, knowing that he loves you, and that your life is a lifestyle of worship. Not a Sunday morning of worship, not simply listening to your car, but that everything about your life says, I love Jesus, and he is worthy to be praised. You should know him too. It's my prayer that you would have the surrendered life. Let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray that all of my brothers and sisters listening now would walk away feeling encouraged, challenged, stretched, but also understanding, God, that you have called us to completely lay down everything at your throne. And that, Lord, um, you didn't save us and redeem us so that we could belong to ourselves, but that your word teaches us we belong to you. Show us what it looks like to, to be able to say with integrity that everything we have and everything we are belongs to you, that we are surrendered to you. As you taught us, Jesus, in the prayer, you said, Lord, teach us how to pray. You said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help us to say, Lord, your will be done in my life. That is a surrendered life. Lord, your will be done in my marriage, in my singleness, at my job, in my family, in my pursuits, in my dreams, Lord, would your will be done, not my will. Would you get glory? So, God, I just pray right now that 
those listening and the church and the saints at Cornerstone would not simply be marked by a church who worships Jesus on Sunday, but by a group of people who worship him throughout the week and who live lives that are surrendered for him and on mission for him. And would the city, the city, see this church as a beacon of light shining brightly for Christ? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, saints, it was so good being with you, so good praying with you. God willing, I hope to be back soon, my wife and kids, and, uh, and hopefully be with you in person and get to a fellowship together. So go in peace. You are loved. Like a mind
Yeah, Lord, we, we surrender to your ways. We know, <laughs> help us to do it, Lord. We know that our life works better when you, when you are at the helm. And, uh, you know, that's a choice we make to surrender, to allow you to sing your song through our lives. We know we're never going to get it perfect. That's for sure. We won't. But we can be a healer. We can be a wounded healer in the name of Jesus. We can be a life giver in his name. We can be a light bearer in his name. We can shine that light into a world that is just really uh, filled with so much darkness and negativity and anger and vitriol. And God wants us to, to try to represent his heart with life and love. And uh, that flows out of a life that itself is surrendered, right? That's the amazing thing we gain by letting go. <laughs> Isn't that the kingdom way? Also want to remind you real quick that uh, for those of you uh, who are part of our church community, again, some of you from afar, some of you closer, but you know, our giving time, you can give by sending it into our offices. You can give as many of you do of your tithes and your offerings by just going online or even using our app. But like I always say, it's always best to, to give our hearts because and that's what the Lord really wants from us. But you know how we give matters too. I just want everybody to continue to pray together. Remember that we're making this journey. It's a long haul journey that we're making. And my prayer is to continue to just have our church throw ourselves into the online uh, church service that we're, we're doing, keep building community this way. At the same time, some of you are aware we started back in with in-person gathering at the Reardon campus in San Francisco. That's the one across the street from City College. And that's where I, I will be through the month of July. And then actually gonna start teaching uh, in August as well, uh, live. So could really use your prayers as we're, we're gonna try to do both of these things to be the blessing that God wants us to be. So with that in mind, don't forget how greatly loved you are. You are loved. Cause he's so good and he's so God and he wants us to do what? So good. And so God, may he keep you in every way, in spirit and soul and body and in your mind, in Jesus name.